This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I spoke with Gareth, who became a father through surrogacy in January of this year, when his surrogate, Jess, gave birth to his son, Rickson. Jess was a good friend of Gareth's partner, Beck, and she carried the pregnancy whilst living in South Africa, while Gareth and Beck lived in Queensland. Unfortunately and very sadly, Beck passed away during the pregnancy from complications arising from her cystic fibrosis. This was a very sad story and I think it's also really bittersweet and lovely because Rickson is so loved and will always know who Beck was. I'm going to hand over now to Gareth. Hi, my name's Gareth and um, I'm 31 now with the newborn it was Rickson, who was born in January 20th this year, to a surrogate. How did you find yourself considering surrogacy? Well, we never really had another option. Surrogacy was our only option with my wife, Beck, having cystic fibrosis. She didn't have the capacity, her lung capacity or her health wasn't good enough to be able to carry a baby full term. So is it something that you knew right from the beginning when you first met Beck that you'd have to have a surrogate? Um, no, I mean, when I first met Beck, I knew that she had CF and I knew it was possibly going to be a problem having kids, but having kids in the beginning was never a, like a priority. So it only became a priority after we got married and, and we really started thinking about it. And I guess after we got married, then we started really thinking, oh, how can we have kids? Can we adopt? Or, and then we spoke about surrogacy and it really seemed to be the best option for us. And did you have to look for a surrogate? I know you ended up with a friend, but how did that come about? Jess actually offered. Beck had a post on Facebook a while ago. Just I can't even remember what it said, to be honest. And then Jess read it and she emailed Beck and just said, look, why can't you have a kids? Is it just the fact that you can't carry? I, I can carry babies. I've had two of them before. Maybe I can help you. And it just started off from a, a just a normal conversation, just like that. A few months of actually talking about it and obviously Jess had to speak to her husband about it. He had to be all cool with it before we actually really said, look, this is actually going to happen. And were you able to create embryos with eggs from Beck and sperm from yourself? Yeah, yeah. So they're biologically both mine and Beck's child. So tell me about Jess. How did Beck and Jess know each other? Beck and Jess went to school together in primary school, so they've known each other forever. And they also done uni together as well after high school. Oh, wow. So it's a long friendship. And um, Jess and her husband are in a different country. Tell me about that. Yeah, so they live in South Africa at the moment because Jess's husband, Jeremy, is a professional football player or soccer player. So they've been there for a few years now. and I've still got a couple to go at least. When you were talking about the surrogacy, was it a big issue that Jess and her partner were going to be overseas while you guys were in another country? In the beginning, we had no idea if it was even possible having Jess and Jeremy overseas. Like, is this something that can actually be done? Is it legal to do it like that? We had no idea. And then I guess speaking about it, anything, I guess you can overcome whatever you want. It just costs a little bit more for flights and does Jess actually want to fly this much or how much effort are we going to go to to make this happen? I guess everyone was really on board and we've made it happen. 
Um, and so during the pregnancy, at least, did Jess have to come over to Australia for much? No. So she flew over for the embryo transfer. We were very lucky. It worked first go. So we flew her over once, done one embryo transfer, and she flew back home. And then we had um, her book to come home at week 20 or week 21, I think it was, to do the, the big scan so we can check out what sex we're going to have with the baby and do all that. And then she wasn't going to come home again until the birth. So Jess flew over, or she flew to Brisbane actually, so we didn't even see her when she'd done the embryo transfer. We're up in North Queensland. So Jess flew to Brisbane. She stayed there for one or two knots. I can't remember. It was a very quick trip. So she literally flew there, done the embryo transfer, and flew back home. So, and then after that, I think we did, she didn't wait too long before she'd done a pregnancy test to find out if she was pregnant because she honestly thought that it didn't work. So, yeah, she'd done a pregnancy test early and it said that we we're going to have a baby. It was pretty crazy news to think that it all worked and so quick for us as well. One lot of embryo created, like we only created embryos once and we only had three embryos. And then to bring her over and when they thawed out the first one, which didn't thaw, so they had to use a second one. But that second embryo actually worked and Jess fell pregnant from it. So from there, um, obviously Jess done all the scans and whatnot. So you your yeah. early scans and everything in South Africa through the, um, the doctors there. And then we had flights booked home for week 21 when we were all going to get, um, we're all going to have get together in Townsville and do the full scan so we can find out if we're having a boy or a girl. But before that, Beck fell sick. It was probably three or four, at least four weeks or probably even more. Um, Beck always gets a flare up or whatever and just goes into hospital to get what we used to call a tune up. So you go in on um, antibiotics through a pick line and it's usually just a two week course. So she went in for a couple of weeks and just wasn't getting any better. So they extended it for another week and then it seemed that she was getting a lot better. So they took her off it. She come home on, oxygen which is she's never had to do before so we just thought oh well it's just something that we're going to have to deal with now you have to be on oxygen for a couple of hours a day just to just to help you in the mornings or just to help you out to give you that energy but unfortunately she didn't get to stay at home for long there until she had to go back to hospital so when she went back to hospital that um, second time she went straight back onto all the antibiotics and everything and Things weren't looking too good, so I got on to Jess and I said, Jess, is there a possibility that you could move your flights up a little bit so we could make, if anything does happen, we could get, make sure Beck will see you and the bub just in case. So we changed our flights, brought them a week forward. We thought, oh, well, this is definitely going to be all good. And then on the Friday afternoon, I think it was, I rang Jess and I said, Jess, Things are getting really bad. You have to book. You have to um, change your flights again. So she moved them forward again another few days. So then she was booked to come home on the the Monday, the twenty first. No, the sorry, Monday. The, yeah. So um, we changed her flights and she was coming home on the 
the 4th of September instead of a couple of weeks later. And I said to her, so that was a Friday that I rang her and we got a flight to change the game. So then on the Saturday, Beck wasn't doing too well. And the Sunday is the day that she passed on the 3rd of September. I rang Jess and I said, Jess, I don't think she's going to make it. And I don't think that um, she'll make it to see you tomorrow. By any chance, did you find out the sex of the fall we're having? Because she had to go to the doctors to get the okay to fly on the Friday. And she's like, yeah, I did. So Jess told me that day that we're having a baby boy, which I was able to tell Beck a few hours before she passed. So that was, I guess, one positive that we got to share together before she passed. It must have been a huge shock to lose Beck at such a young age as well and also during the pregnancy of your baby. Oh, it was very difficult, yeah. I mean, it's still hard now. Yeah. But, yeah, she was only 30 years old, but I guess you just got to deal with it now and raise Rickson. We've got to raise him the way that Beck would have. So how did the rest of the pregnancy go? In the beginning, Beck and Jess would speak all the time. I would speak to Jess every now and then or I'd speak to Jeremy every now and then, but Beck and Jess would be on the phone every day, texting, um, sending voice messages or whatever, every day just chatting, saying how everything's going and how the pregnancy's going and, make, and also finances. So if Jess needed an appointment to go to, Beck would be the one to organise all the finances. So Jess sends her a bill and Beck would organise and she'd pay it. So after Beck passed, then that role really became my role. I had to make sure that everything was getting done right Jess wasn't getting, like, had these bills and they weren't getting paid or she just, so I had to make sure that everything was still running smoothly. And I guess I did a half-decent job at it. We'd, I'd still speak to Jess pretty much every day, just five messages and make sure everything's going all right or just to say day. But, yeah, after Beck passed, I kind of went away for five weeks, went overseas and, I kind of turned my phone off and didn't really speak to anyone, but I knew Jess would have been all, she was all good with that. So, yeah, when I got back, I just, back to reality again and back Mm. to making sure the surrogacy was all on track. So Jess flew back home for that. So that was back where we lived in Townsville and he was born in the general hospital here. And so I was in the room and got to witness it and I was the first one to get to hold Rickson and also cut his cord. But there was also um, a couple of Jess's friends in the room. Um, one of them was a photographer, so she took some photos to capture the moment and then the other one was a really good friend of Jess who just so happened to be a midwife as well. So she was, I guess because her husband wasn't in the room, he was still overseas in South Africa, she needed support. And I guess I wasn't going to be that kind of support that she really needed. I guess taking a, a baby home, what's it like meeting your baby, knowing that he's your, yourself and your wife, who's not there to meet him? Oh, very surreal. Mm. Like he was born at 2am in the morning. By 8am, I was packing him in the car and taking him back to my place. So it was just him and I at, it was in our home. So I've never had a kid before, never really held a baby before not really knowing what to do and here I am alone in my home with a newborn but it was a great feeling 
like I wouldn't change it for the world. And I guess I'm learning every day how to be, become a parent. Can you tell me a bit more about Beck? I understand she suffered with cystic fibrosis. What was that like um, on a sort of day-to-day basis? Um, <clears throat> if someone met Beck and didn't know that she had CF, you wouldn't know that she was sick. Like she never showed that she was sick to someone. But behind the scenes, there was a lot of management. So she, we couldn't just wake up in the morning and say, look, we've got to go somewhere. And five minutes later, we're out the door and we're gone. Beck had a, a lot of meds that she had to take in the morning. She had breathing exercises she had to do. She had a physio she had to do, all just to get the mucus and whatnot off her lungs so she was able to function for the day. Is it a genetic condition? Yeah, so it's a genetic condition. Every baby gets tested with the heel prick. So it's been going on forever. And I guess you just get the heel prick test done for kids and you don't really know what they're actually testing for, but that's the test that they do. Um, so yeah, it's genetic disease. So you've got to get um, a gene from the mother and then a gene from the father. So before Beck and I done the surrogacy test, I got tested to see if I'm a um, fibrosis carrier. So we'd know if we had a kid, would we have a CF child? Um, so I was a negative, so I'm not a carrier. So Rickson is a carrier because he's got the gene from Beck, but he hasn't got any genes from me, so he definitely doesn't have cystic fibrosis. So for Rickson, that means he won't be affected, but his children could be, is that right? Yeah, that's right. But by that time, that's a long time away, it was frost. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a lot better treatments or even cures. That's my hope anyway. Yeah. Now, I understand that um, whilst Beck isn't here to, to um, be there with Rickson, you have managed to get her placed on the birth certificate. You went through the usual legal process to get the parentage order. Yeah, yeah. So we've done all that um, a couple of months or a month and a bit after he was born. Yeah, probably two months after he was born, we done all the, the legal process that's involved in surrogacy and now I've got a birth certificate with both mine and Beck's name on it. Yeah, that's probably the best day after Rickson was born that I've had. What's it like being a single dad to a little baby? It's just life now. I wouldn't I don't really know what it's like to be a, a a dual parent, but being a parent it's not that difficult really. Like at this age, what do they do? They cry, they eat, they sleep. But that's about it. I mean, he's starting to be a lot more interactive now because he's six months old. But, I mean, if he cries, he wants one of two things, food or sleep. So it's quite easy. But in saying that, my social life is kind of non-existent at the moment (laughs) as well. So I don't get to go out anymore or do anything like that. I mean, I'm working full-time again as well. Mm. So it's I've got to juggle. Like, I've still got to get paid. So I guess that's probably... The hard thing about being a single parent is you, know, you can't just, one of you can't sit at home and be the parent and the other one kind of works. I've got to actually get out and work. But I think I'm in a pretty lucky situation where I work with my parents. So Rickson will come to work with me three days a week. And then the other two days that I'm at work, I'll take him to Beck's parents and he'll go there. Well, that's quite lovely. It's really very much a village is raising Raising Rickson. Oh, it really is a village raising him. Mm. Like, I always says he has to love me more than anyone else, but it'll be hard for him to love me more than his other grandparents and that because <laughs> they have so much 
interaction with him and oh yeah he he really loves his grandparents so much because he gets to spend so much time with them mm. oh, that's lovely tell me how's jess going how was it for her after the birth jess is going really good i still speak to her all the time um i guess like any surrogate you kind of know what you're getting yourself into before it happens so yeah you don't want to attach yourself to the baby too much like for fear of not wanting to give it up but from what I saw, and I know that's true, Jess never had a problem giving Rickson out because it was always mine and Beck's love, I guess. Did you have any advice for anyone that was thinking about pursuing surrogacy? Um, do it. It's it's kind of daunting at the beginning when you've got no information. And it's, I guess it's really a hard thing to find. Like you can't just Google surrogacy and oh, here, here's a list of what to do. But I guess you just need to find that one person who knows something about it. And it's really, really easy when it comes down to it. Like all you need, if you've got a surrogate and they're, they're right fit for you, it's not that hard to do. Like you, you find a lawyer, you find a counsellor or a couple of counsellors and that's about it. But it's definitely worth it in the end. What's the legacy of Beck now that she's not here? Well, I wanted to set up a like a legacy type fundraiser thing, CF and everything. And that was always my plan to, to do something. So there was a, a standing legacy each 12 months that we'd all get together or try and raise funds for CF and do something like that. But to be honest, being a parent and working, it has really allowed me much time to, to plan other things like that. So it's kind of fallen back. But I mean, Rickson will always grow up knowing who his mum is. Like we have photos everywhere up in the house and every day I'll take him to a photo on the fridge or on the wall and I tell him that's his mum and he always touches her and never looks at me. So I reckon he knows who she is already. That's lovely. I wanted to thank Gareth for sharing his story with me. If you have a question for me or wanted to get in touch, you can find me at sarahjefford.com on Facebook and on Instagram.